Welcome to Food Farms and Chefs radio show, where we highlight everyone from the top industry leaders to startups and farmers that make it all possible with Chef Jean Blom and photojournalist Amaris Pollock. On this week's show of Food Farms and Chefs, we're spiriting you away with a lot of holiday cheer from wineries to bourbons to whiskeys and celebrations around the globe. At this time, it's such a great honor to introduce a friend of the show, uh, an expert on all things wine and spirits, just a genuinely great human being, and uh, you know, a supporter of so many great causes. Uh, Frank Pagliaro from Frank's Wine in Wilmington, Delaware. Frank, welcome back to Food Farms and Chefs. How are you, my friend? Hey, I am doing great. Thank you again. Gene and Amherst for having me on. Always love uh, hanging out with you guys. Well, Frank, you know, as we come to the end of a year, I know you do so many big things. You're doing all kinds of specials down at your place on a regular basis. You're doing all kinds of fun events. Uh, what's going on at Frank's Wine as we move to uh, the new year and New uh, Year's Day, obviously? I know you've got things, but uh, what's happening leading into Christmas? So leading into Christmas, we uh, actually start tomorrow on the 13th, which is our uh, 12 days of Christmas tastings here at Frank's Wine, um, where we have Retson uh, starting tomorrow from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m., pouring uh, all the great libations. Uh, Tuesday, starting tomorrow, Tuesday through Christmas Eve, we even have uh, someone in on Christmas Eve that's going to be pouring some cellar wine from Napa Valley. Um, in Lake County as well. Uh, so every single night, starting tomorrow, we've got, um, yeah, some great, great tastings coming up from spirits, you know, gin. We're starting off with gin tomorrow. Uh, we have a dear dear friend and employee here, Deborah, uh, that passed away um, in October of last year, and she was um, a huge gin fan. So we're kicking off in her memory, because tomorrow's her birthday, would be her birthday. So we've got um, a great lineup of gin that we're going to be pouring tomorrow. Then on Wednesday, we get into, uh, for the most part, it's, it's like wine. And wine and bubbly throughout this Sunday, we're doing like stateside bourbon and vodka. Um, but, yeah, for the most part, it's wine. But a lot we, we have our whole, uh, whole schedule that will be up live on our website tomorrow, actually. That's at the, the frankswine.com website. So – what are the what are the big things this year that you see are the trends that are coming in for the holiday season for wine and spirits? What are people uh, interested in this year? What are they interested in? You know, it's, it's every year this time of year we get the bourbon hunters out, you know? <laughs> All those guys that are following the distributor trucks from store to store looking for the rare bottles of Pappy Van Winkle or E.H. Um, e. Taylor um you know all the all the crazy good stuff the buffalo trace antique collection bourbons and rye wellers and willets all the crazy uh hard to get usually stupidly overpriced by a lot of retailers for sure um but we handle it a fair way we do a raffle uh where anyone who comes into the shop everybody gets a raffle ticket and we have all those beautiful uh bourbons and rare whiskeys all lined up and there's a, a little bucket behind it. So you put your raffle ticket in the bucket that you want to buy 
that bottle for. So where a lot of people online are selling Pappy Van Winkle 20-year-olds for literally $5,000, which is insane, um, we have it for $299, uh, which is what it legit should be retail, you know. Um, and we always, uh, you know, most of the – I say generally it's the people that shop here regularly that um, that do that, that take advantage of it. And there, there are ones that are going to actually drink it and not flip it. That's what happens with a lot of this stuff because they want to buy it, and then they put it on the market for a stupid price on eBay or whatnot. Um, so, yeah, liquor-wise, I'd say bourbon this time of year is, is absolutely insane. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I know that whole process I bid on a lot. In Pennsylvania, we had the state-sponsored um, auction through the liquor control board, and, and you can yeah. buy them. and People put them up for sale and things like that. I'm like, you know, I I like if if a bottle of Pappy's coming across my desk, I'm opening it. You know, yeah, like that's what it's I know, no for, doubt. Yeah. Right, yeah. right, then, absolutely. Uh, so now I got to find a hotel room that I can keep coming into your store. A yeah, and <laughs> bidding on raffle tickets in. You know, does it count right, if I right, come right. and go to go to Little Italy and come back and I can count that as a second raffle tour? You know. There you yeah, go. Bottle happy at two ninety nine. It's a wonderful thing. And, it, it, and, uh, it's, it's, you know, again, that's what it like legit should be retail. Um, right. You right, know, we take the, right. we take those. You know, markup that we do on any other bottle. We don't. I don't know how. You know, it, it, it's irritates me when I see these prices out there. I mean, I could never imagine like selling a bottle of that at that price to like a customer that shops in my store every single day. You know, it's just uh, yeah, not to me. It's not good. <laughs> Well, it's, you know, it's one of the, it's one of the reasons that you know we bring you on, and and that I constantly send people to you because it's it's that level of just professionalism and you know just being a good human being that really matters. You know, you there are people who will take every advantage, and a lot of stores will take every advantage, and you know, throwing a bottle out like that. I mean, that's a great that's a great thing, and somebody's going to be very happy this Christmas season. You know, with a bottle of Pappy or something like that. What else is is uh, hot for the holidays? What else is hot for the holidays? Um, you know, this time of year we get like uh, the one thing that's been super hot is this year Vouve Clicquot uh, champagne. They put out these cool little like mini refrigerators that look like a refrigerator, like a stand-up refrigerator. For the company Smeg S M E G. Do you ever hear those? They're like retro. Refrigerator is really, really, really cool. Um, So they have like these pink and orange boxes with like, you know, a bottle of the Brut or the Rosé in it. And they are like, people are eating them up. I mean, they're, they're adorable. You know, they're just, (laughs) they're great. They're they look like a Barbie refrigerator. And actually it's funny. I even have some Barbie dolls like on the display of my, (laughs) of the, uh, the Vuflico. But that, that's just one thing offhand that I, that I just see people just like, you know, just like a really cool um, impulse buy. It's just an eye catcher, and people are like, oh my god, that's adorable. Um, so, and and the, the the crazy thing is though, is they're not cheap, as Clico isn't. Um, and and no, no, not for the first time, yeah, right. For the first time, Diageo, you know, in, in years past, they would always like have these really cool, you know, they've done ice jackets in the past. We actually have those too this year, um, or like. Last year, they had, like, these really cool, like, retro cassette tape um, gift boxes. 
and there was never they, they they would never do an upcharge on those. It's like you know you could buy it for the same price as a regular bottle. Well now, you know Diageo, which is owned by you know Louis Vuitton, Moet Hennessy, they um, they they're going to town luxury item, and they're like putting like premiums on those uh, packages. Which at first I was like, ah, I don't know how they're going to sell, but they're people are just loving them. So they are twenty dollars more a bottle <laughs> for this little mini refrigerator. Uh, that doesn't even plug in, just to let you know. It's just like a decorative. Right, right. But they do they claim it does keep it cool for like an hour or two. Yeah. yeah. So people always struggle at, at, you know, holidays with, you know, when it comes to pairing wines with either, you know, ham or turkey or, or you know, the meals like that. Thanksgiving's another holiday where people always struggle. What are your recommendations for people that, you know, are looking for something different that's going to pair wine with either the Christmas ham or a Christmas turkey. You know, we, that's what's great about, to me, like turkey, like even just coming off of Thanksgiving. Because to me, it's not just about the turkey. It's like everything else on the table that goes along with it. You know, you've got the – there's so many different stuffings. You know, there's either like you could do a sausage stuffing or an oyster stuffing or just traditional like breadcrumb stuffing with herbed up. And, and to me, that's like what you're, you're kind of like trying to pair, you know what I mean? But then everything else on the side, right? I mean, you know, cream spinach or sweet potatoes with, you know, marshmallows on it. You got sweet, you got savory, you got all these flavors on the table. And to me, you just can't go wrong with literally like you could close your eyes and do a 316 here, point to a bottle, and that's going to be great on your Thanksgiving or your Christmas Day dinner table just because of everything else. You know, if you were doing, like, a prime rib with, like, you know, you know, whatever, a couple sides, and a lot of people do that, I guess, right? Um, you know, I definitely go for, like, a big Napa Cab, a Super Tuscan, you know, Bordeaux. Um, but, yeah, like, when, when there's a lot of, of – uh, when there's a lot of choices on the table, I always put a lot of choices of wine to kind of pair up next to it. We'll have white, red, rosé, bubbly. We've got it all on the table. That's you in my house, anyway. Yeah, well, and at your store, I mean, that's one thing. You know, I, I always surprised because I, as I turn the corner, and you know, you don't have that big of a footprint, but boy, do you have a lot of inventory there, and you know, there's really so much to choose from for anybody there. So, I mean, does that carry over with the ham too, or when you get into ham, you know, being a little hardier and better? Yeah, you know, with ham again, to me, I would you could do. Um, white, red, or rosé, you know, like reds, I would do like a lighter Pinot Noir or Beaujolais. We have a lot of really cool, like crew Beaujolais. We even have some Beaujolais Nouveau uh, still in stock from the 2022 vintage, which is actually insanely good. The color is like super dark and it's it's probably one of the best Beaujolais Nouveaus that I've had in quite some time um, out of Burgundy. Um, With white, you know, such a variety of whites go great with ham. To me, like Viognier, I actually, just literally before I jumped on this call, one of my reps came in and tasted me on um, Chapoutier, who's a producer in the Rhone Valley. Uh, they have a Viognier, which is absolutely insanely good. Viognier is a grape. And it's like super floral, uh, rich, dense, like lots of honeysuckle notes, like floral, like lily notes to it. Like, it, it screams ham. I mean, it's just like dense on the palate and just so good with a nice chill on it. Um, 
It's like 30 bucks a bottle from a, one of Lone oh, Valley's great. best producers, Chapoutier. Uh, love it. Great, great, great white wine. And then rosé, really just kind of rosé and ham is like a natural for me. Uh, from either yeah, you know, I, Provence rosé. I, I agree with you. I think you taught me that. And you know, ever since you taught me that, I, I've gone that way around the holidays. And, and uh, you know, I'll be down shortly sometime before the holidays to, to get my stuff from, you know, here and, you know, really enjoy that. Um, anything to do with that? And so, actually, I want to go back to something we were talking about earlier. You were talking about tomorrow being gins. I am not a gin person by any means. I just, it's just not my cup of tea. Yep, but I neither. recently discovered some, there's some really great movement in gins getting away from what you know, has always been the traditional, you know, Tangeray Juniper, or, you know, something yeah. like that, you know, Bombay. Um, I had a, a wonderful hibiscus-infused gin made from a yeah. small micro distillery and all. So is gin becoming, like, really a, a popular beverage again? Um, yeah, seems- God, especially, like, in the, coming off, like, like, this past summer, I probably added, like, 20 new gins to our section. And, like, you know, bottom shelf, kind of like all the traditionals, like, the Bombays and beef eaters and, um, you know, all the ones that that people were, are going to know and ask for, or just kind of reach for anyway. Just a lot of the, like like you said, the craft distillers. There's one, and if these guys have been around for a while, it's probably one of my favorite gins, just mainly because I don't, I don't like juniper. Like, I don't like drinking juniper or pine trees. So, like, this, there's one uh, called Uncle Val's, and they're out of San Francisco. And it's got, like, this awesome, like, Herbs de Provence and like lemon verbena. Um, it, it's like the most refreshing gin that I've ever had. I, I mean, just like a, a, a touch of like, you know, juniper. Um, but like you get spearmint. It, it's like the most refreshing gin that I've had. It, it, I love it. So Uncle Val's, they'll definitely be open tomorrow. Um, we have some pink gins, which are really cool, like where they add like peppercorn to it, which kind of pink peppercorn, sure, sure. which gives it that like, you know, the color and it also gives it like the spicy spicy note again it kind of mutes the the juniper that's in there um and then we're doing a traditional one uh, actually traditional in, in juniper style uh called blue dyer which is um they're a local distillery in um maryland waldorf maryland and they do a great great job with their gin they do they do a barrel rested gin as well uh dark mm. you know dark gin it, it's 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 amazing um, but yeah, God, we, we probably have, you know, a hundred different gins all, you know, mostly leaning towards, cause I love that style. There's a great movement too in Japanese gin. There's some great Japanese gin that same deal, like more floral, uh, aromatic, less juniper and traditional, like the London dries, you know, just, uh, really love them. Good stuff. And they're year round people, you know, gin drinkers drink their gin year round for sure. Well, you know, now that you mentioned it, you know, the, the Japanese influence on the spirits industry is, is becoming pretty profound. You know, it started really with is. whiskeys and as you get into gins and, you know, prior to that, it was, you know, sakis, which nobody really understood, um, you know, unless you're knowledgeable and sakis are amazing mm-hmm. spirits, you know, they, that go with so well with so many different foods. If you get the good quality ones, you know, the bad ones right. like anything, bad spirits are going to taste like kerosene every time. Doesn't matter, yep. matter if it's sake, bourbon, whatever. You know, the, the inexpensive 
you know, poor quality are just going to be that. Right. Um, you see a lot, a lot more of that influence coming into the market here in the United States. Yeah, you know what? There's definitely a lot more, um, like a lot of whiskey, a lot of Japanese whiskey out there, really good Japanese whiskey. You know, there's the crazy, like, you know, Yamazaki and Hibiki, which are like the, the super, like, sought after Japanese whiskeys, which we have. But then there's like, you know, they're, again, kind of priced, you know, in the hundreds of dollars a bottle. Whereas, but then there's a lot of really good, like, 50 to $60 bottles of really, really good Japanese whiskeys. Um, you know, that different styles as well. You know, it, it, you get a couple that are peaty for the most part. They're not too peaty. Uh, to me, they kind of lean a little more towards like Irish whiskey, a little more mellow. Um, sure. But yeah, whiskey is definitely, I'd say, the biggest category of Japanese, you know, that we carry. Um, although we do have a great selection of sake. I love sake. I'm a huge sake fan. Um, and uh, and then gin. That's like kind of the, the newest newest thing for us that we've seen a lot of new ones that we brought in over the summer. So do you have recommendations on sake? If we, when I'm down there, what I what I should be looking for if I want to bring a bottle back for the holidays? Yeah, no doubt, no doubt, absolutely. I'll, they, they they vary in style, just like right, right. Yeah, just like uh, just like wine, really. You know, you get some that are sweeter, like a lot of the Niguri sakis that are cloudy, you know, unfiltered. They tend to be a little sweeter. Right. Um, then you get some of the uh, Jumai Ginju sakis with the highly polished rice that are, you know, it's like it's like drinking a great Sauvignon Blanc with like melon notes and. Um, Hint of citrus, yeah. I mean, there's there's so many great style. I love sake, so a lot of, a lot of yeah, good stuff. For sure. We do you know, through the holidays here in my household. We do a lot of different uh, food traditions. You know, we do the feast of seven fishes, and we do the oh uh, nice. You do that? I love that. Sake night, and we do a lot of different things. And uh, right, you know, we're uh, sushi and sake night. So I'll have to come down and do a little shopping and. and uh, pick up something to bring back here and uh you know, and, and really enjoy that. Right. How about cordial wise? Any anything new on the market that people are uh, scooping up for the holidays now? Um for those people who don't really drink but like something, you know, the, a little different. Uh cordials, you said? Cordials. Um yes. Yes. Yeah, I mean, we 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 it seems like I, I tell you with with Christmas holiday, it's this time of year it's like <laughs> I'm not literally like everything sells, you know what I mean? Like the craziest right. cordial, you know, whether it's a, a celery uh, infused cordial or saffron stuff that, that like sits all year that people don't pick up. Boom. It's like, it sells in December. Um, uh, you know, it, it, it's nuts, but like, I'd say, I don't know. What, what are some of the hot cordials right now? It just seems like, like lemoncello is just hot. It just seems like year round. Um, right. Right. Lemoncello's, I'd say, definitely hot. Of course, Bailey's this time of year. They, they, and, and Bailey's has, like, all their crazy flavors this time of year. Um, we just kind of stick with the original stuff. Um, and, yeah, Kahlua, yeah. Sambuca. I mean, like, really, it's like all, a lot of the traditional cordials. Um, things, I mean, a lot of the craft, there's some really cool craft uh, coffee liqueurs that we have um, that make, you know, I've tried with some, like, great espresso martinis um sure sure 
Yeah, not yeah. a cool. And like I, I say, another thing that's still kind of hot is is Saint Germain, like elderberry, elderflower rather. Uh, they go along with there's so many great cocktails. Yeah, mixing with prosecco and gin, yeah. vodka. You know, yep. it, it goes great with a lot. Yeah, I agree. I always have a bottle around here. It's it, I agree 100. percent You know, it really is something to keep around. It. You know, if you're going to do a uh, just a limited bar for the holidays, and you want to. You know, educate your guests a little bit. A bottle of Saint Germain, you know, with one or two other things, is a great way to go. Yeah. Right so there, for all yeah. these people that want to come out and discover Christmas and uh, learn more about Frank's, uh, where are they coming to, Frank? They're coming to uh, 1206 North Union Street, right off of uh, the Delaware Avenue exit, 7B, right off of 95. Um, yeah, it's very yeah. easy to get right to. Right my heart knows it by heart. Yeah, right? <laughs> and that's, uh, you know, frankswine.com is the website, um, you know, and uh, so you got stuff going on every day for, for starting tomorrow until Christmas then. We do, yeah, starting tomorrow until Christmas. And we're even throwing in um, our, you know, we, we, we're huge proponents of, uh, uh, of uh, non-alcoholic spirits and vodkas and gins and um, wine and beer. So we'll have an offering of, of uh, non-alcoholic libations as well for all the non-drinkers. Bubbly, uh, our, I tell you that our non-alcoholic section is probably doubled in size. We, I hear from a lot of people saying that we've got like the largest selection anywhere. Um, it's pretty cool. It just keeps on growing, and, and people are just buying it, you know. And, and they're not cheap. Like you know, non-alcoholic tequila costs literally as much as like a good bottle of of tequila. <laughs> um, well, and, uh, you know, yeah, it's huge. It's quality and flavor, that's what matters. Yeah, so. yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. So if anybody wants to take a break on drinking over the holidays or after the holidays, dry January coming up, we've got you covered on that end too. So, Well, Frank, it is always a pleasure. You are certainly one of the most knowledgeable people uh, on spirits and, and, and wines. Uh, certainly my go-to person. You have been that for probably 20 years now. Um, always a pleasure. I will see you before the holidays um, and uh, look forward to it. For, for people who don't know, New Year's Day at Frank's is also a happening place, too. It's when uh, all the public goes on sale and big stuff like that, if I'm correct. Yeah, wine. Uh, every year we've been doing that. So wine and, and, uh, and bubbly, 25% off. Like our entire selection, everything. So, which is without a doubt our our busiest four hours of the year, noon to four on New Year's Day we're open. Twenty five percent. Gotta love it, you know. Get that. Go back to the Bumpers Parade. You're ready. Nice. I love that. That's the best. Frank, always a pleasure. Frankswine.com, and uh, I will see you before the holidays. And uh, Merry Christmas to your family. Thank you so much. Merry Christmas on your end too. Appreciate it. Cheers. Hey everyone, it's Amaris Pollock and Gene Blum here from Food Farms and Chefs. We wanted to wish you a wonderful holiday season. And if you're looking for a delicious way to celebrate, you can tune in to Food Farms and Chefs on WWDB at 6 p.m. on Tuesdays. Hi everyone. So welcome back from our break. And I just want to say a very happy Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah. And we are continuing our celebrations this time around the globe. And Jean, why don't you kick us off? 
folks. We talk about different celebrations from places around the world. We're going to skip a little bit of the food and just talk about some other kind of interesting and, and strange traditions at Christmas time. So one of my favorites, I, and for all those, you know, I grew up being told that I was going to get cold when I started eating if I was a, a, a bad, uh, you know, young man. But in Iceland, um, they have the kind of 13 days of Christmas, and they call them the 13 Yule Lads. But uh, every night, the kids place their shoes by the window, and then they go up to bed. And in the morning, they come down, and either in their shoes, there is candy if they've been good, but rotting potatoes if they were not so good. You know, make a call seat whole world there, because I will take that over rotting potatoes any time. Michelle, you skip up just a short amount of time or distance. You go over to Finland. They start off the holiday with like a warm porridge. It's kind of a warm rice pudding made with uh, milk and butter and cinnamon. And then they put almond, uh, an almond in the whole almond, and the person who finds the almond wins. If you have multiple kids, you probably put several almonds in so nobody feels left out or whatever. But my favorite thing about what they do is in the evening, they have a family sauna where they all kind of get in and, and have a sauna together on, on Christmas night. You know, like, just a little bizarre tradition, but hey, you know, what works? Well, I'm more of a stateside kind of gal for uh, information that I'm offering up, but one of the things that I, I found out was there's an actual town in Indiana that's called Santa Claus. So Santa Claus, Indiana um, celebrates Christmas, obviously, in a big way, um, and, and the whole town celebrates during the month of December, starting in November, um, like from Thanksgiving on to about January. But they have everything under the sun that you can do. They have light festivals. They have a Santa Polar Express that, you know, is a, a stationary train, so it doesn't actually move. But you can go on it and, you know, greet Santa, take pictures. Um, you can have milk and cookies with Santa. There's other treats that you can have while you're doing that. Um, and there's activities up the wazoo that you can do that are family-friendly, along with some of the stuff that they actually do is they physically roast chestnuts over an open fire, which I don't – I mean, I know that it's in the song, and I know it used to be a holiday tradition a long time ago, but I didn't know that there's actually, like – you know, individuals who still do that. I thought that that's just like, you know, you go to a store and you get chestnuts that are already, you know, ready to eat um, or you crack open a chestnut at home and like use it to bake something. But no, you actually get to go to Santa, Santa Claus, Indiana, which still boggles my mind that there's a, a Santa Claus, Indiana um, to celebrate the holidays at. So are you saying you don't have a chestnut roaster at home? I do not. I don't have a chestnut. Uh, any No one at our house roasts chestnuts. And I mean, I know that you can do it in a saucepan um, that you, you know, don't care so much about, but like, or not a saucepan, um, a frying pan. Um, but I've never actually physically done that. Have you done that, Jean? 
I have. I actually have a chestnut roaster. Uh, it's a kind of a, it's a closed, it looks like a, something you'd put in the fire. It is something you'd put in the fireplace. It's all long handle. And you put the chestnuts in it, and then you close the lid, and they go in there, and they roast that way. I could do it in my fireplace at home. That's very cool. Um, I, I, <clears throat> I I have done it. Uh, not something I do as a tradition, but yes, I've done it. So you know, <laughs> one of the one of the weird things I came across, you know, many years ago, reading stories about traditions and stuff. It was kind of a, a little weird. So in Austria, um, around December 6th, so the Feast of St. Nicholas, uh, which is, you know, we're in, around December 6th, Austria, they have uh, the story of like a devil-like creature that's called uh, Campus. And, um, you know, kids on the Feast of St. Nicholas are asked whether they, you know, to produce a list of good deeds and bad deeds that they've done for the summer or for the for the year, and if the good deeds outnumber the bad deeds, they receive you know gingerbread cookies or sweets and things like that. But if they're bad, they don't receive anything, and they're left to think about what campus may bring them. I thought Christmas was supposed to be a bright and cheery time. But, <laughs> you know. I mean, it definitely is supposed to. Yeah. So I I don't know. Um, very, very interesting. So what else have you discovered in your uh, traveling through? I mean, we have limited time, so I'm going to try to actually go on the big the big ones. In Colorado Springs, um, there is a place called the Magical Banquet at Glen Erie Castle. And um, if you want to speak about like holiday celebrations, you know, what's more iconic than seeing a bunch of snow surrounding a, a castle that was, you know, born out of the 16th century. But annually, they have a Christmas celebration where not only do you can you dress up in, you know, Renaissance style fare if you so choose. All of the servers and there's performers that bring out on big, huge trays, parading through the crowds who are, you know, seated for this four-course dinner celebration um, where there's performances where people sing during it. There's a jester. Like, it's almost like you get enveloped in, you know, the olden days. But obviously, it's it's a current, you know, our current years. But you know, it's a huge celebration that they have every single year, four-course dinner, um, huge trays of, like, I mean, fully roasted meats, like, um, all of your all of your sides are, are brought out on large trays. But, I mean, the exquisite nature of, of this particular celebration, like, if you go online and Google it, you will see the most fantastic um, experience that you probably could have during the holidays, but it's in Colorado Springs, at, like in a picturesque castle. Well, Colorado Springs is a great place to be any time of year, but I think uh, that's something worth looking at. So, you know, we talk about different things. we got to remember it, and, you know, it's easy to forget because we all relate to what we're living in and what's going on and things like that. But in New Zealand... You know, 
it's the heart of the summertime for Christmas. So it, it literally is Christmas in July, you know? So in New Zealand, they celebrate Christmas with big beef barbecues with, you know, fresh fish and shellfish and vegetables and meat. And, you know, they head to the beach and have a big barbecue and just really, you know, enjoy that. And their Christmas tree is actually a tree that uh, has these big, you know, it's a big tree that has all these red, colorful blooms, um, you know, that is it provides shade and stuff like that. It provides that red color and the blooms in the summertime. So that is their Christmas tree in New Zealand as well. But yeah, you know, what's the idea about like, you know, you go and celebrate at a barbecue. I guess you do that in Hawaii too. I mean, I would love to celebrate that way, like especially because if it, it, it's incorporating something so significant because what's more iconic than Christmas trees, having something like that also in addition to, you know, celebrating with your feast. Like I think that's, that's a huge, you know, significance for celebrating. But, I mean, it's, our time flies by so really quick. You know, I want to also add in the fact that there is a town inside of Georgia that literally, because everybody loves Hallmark Channel movies, literally this town ha- is so picturesque that Hallmark went and filmed in it. Um, so, <laughs> and I'm probably going to get mail, like, referring to how I'm pronouncing this, but Dolanaga, Georgia, is a place in uh, that celebrates Christmas in a big way too, because they have a you know festival of lights, they have carriage rides, they have um, specific food truck events, they even have mold wine weekends. <laughs> that is a town that knows how to have fun um, and knows Absolutely. how to celebrate. Well, I we- would be, I would be. You know, out of out of place. If I didn't mention my day tomorrow going up, you know, tradition my wife and I have. So we'll be taking the train up tomorrow. We see the Rockettes, uh, you know, for a two o'clock show. We then go to Macy's, and Macy's has this fabulous restaurant. I want to say around the seventh floor, but it's a great open air restaurant. And the backdrop is, you know, the Empire State Building. But before we get to Macy's, we kind of do. Rockefeller Square, see the tree, and of course you got to see, you know, the, the store windows and the big department stores. But then we go and we spend the hour in Santaland at Macy's after dinner before we get the good Santa and get our picture taken. And ladies and gentlemen, if you've never been to Santaland in Macy's, New York City, and everybody who knows me knows I'm a Philadelphia person, so I'm giving New York a shout out here. There is no better Santa and no better Santa land than Macy's in New York. Well worth the trip. Get it done. I was going to say, I agree. I I totally agree. I've been there. It's a lot of fun. There's multiple layers. Like every floor has something. Um, So you can tour Macy's on every floor, which is amazing and astounding. And then go to FEO Schwartz and see what's going on there, too, because that's a lot of fun for anybody who has kids. Or if you're an adult with a childlike heart, 
There's a love of toys there. To become a sponsor of Food Farms and Chefs and have your business or event promoted on two radio stations in Philadelphia that play on Tuesdays during Drive Time Radio and on a station in New York on Fridays at 1 p.m., you can email us at foodfarmsandchefs at yahoo.com, ibfoodie2 at yahoo.com, or arpolicus at gmail.com. Hey, everyone. I want to welcome back to Food Farms and Chefs because I have an amazing chef, actually a, an amazing person that is sitting next to me. Kristen Hale, who used to be an actor, but she is now in the food industry and she is fantastic with it. With how do you pronounce that again? Pass an auntie's. Why pass an uncle when you can pass an auntie? <laughs> that is the cutest saying. So it's perfect because it's like I say aunt, and I know a lot of other people say aunt, but I'm from New England, so I always say aunt, and so pass an auntie's is easy for me to be able to articulate. Um, but speaking of articulation, you go over and you have to describe the same thing over and over again at these events. But, I mean, it's hard not to love describing it because the food that you're offering is delicious. So what did you bring today? Well, today we brought our pork carnitas. Um, we're serving it on a little corn chip and we put a little bit of cheese on it. And it's um, served as well with our cold corn salad, um, which is made with our organic corn, um, red bell pepper, a little bit of jalapeno, and lime juice, and cilantro, and they're delicious together. And I want to say, because I tasted it, she brought me samples, thankfully. Uh, I'm not allowed to really leave the table right now, so thank you so much for bringing samples. They were absolutely delicious. One of the first things that I said when I ate the uh, pork carnitas was that there was definitely a sweetness factor to it, and you said... It's molasses. <laughs> so, you know, I, I love, I love, you probably love seeing me like describe the different flavors and what I can ascertain from, from what it is on my palate. But I definitely tasted that smokiness of the barbecue sauce and the, the paprika that's in there. I tasted the molasses that was in there that brought that sweetness. Um, the meat is definitely tender, which was absolutely delicious. So what di um, distinguishes your meats, your vegetables um, from other products that are out there? Well, everything comes from small and local farms. Um, we make sure there's no antibiotics, no hormones, free range, um, grass-fed. All of our vegetables are organic. So we've had um, the relationships with farmers for years and years. We've actually been around since 1916. And so um, we only choose the best places to get our food. And you can taste it in the quality. And that's what you tried. Um, High-quality food speaks for itself. It doesn't matter put how much sauce you put on something that's not a good quality. Um, you can taste it. So um, ours doesn't even need anything. It, it, it speaks for itself. It really does because, I mean, I'm, I'm here, I'm tasting, you know, what you offered on the, you know, and I've, I've tasted actually a couple other things. Um, your, your pork carnitas was highly enjoyable. Um, and, you know, one of the big things that we, we here at Food Farms and Chefs, like, give accolades to is that farm, you know, farms are the, the breath, the bread, and the backbone of everything that is involved in this industry. Whether it's, you know, somewhere like a mom and pop that are like going to the grocery store buying, you know, ingredients or at a farm stand that buying ingredients um, to restaurants that accrue, you know, different farm, farm relationships or vendors that, you know, gather their ingredients from farms. The backbone of this country is farms. So I love the fact that you guys not only 
involve that, but you, you know, and have been for years, you also are producing something that is 100% grass fed, that is organic, that, you know, speaks to itself. So actually our beef is um, grass-fed corn finished. Um, that way you get the, the, um, you know, the quality you get from the grass-fed, but that little bit of corn finish gives it that nice marbling and flavor. So that makes a huge difference, especially the marbling. Like, because if anybody knows beef, when you have that marbling, that kind of adds all that, like, juicy flavor. Um, I know, you know, for me, like, when I get a ribeye or, or whatnot, depending on whatever cut that I get, when I see that marbling all throughout, especially if it's there's a lot, it's like, oh, I know that's going to be juicy. I know that's going to be buttery. I know that's going to be tender, so long as I cook it right. <laughs> you know, the person behind the, the skillet or the grill or, you know, what have you, that person is deciding, you know, what to what degree they want it. Medium, rare, medium, rare, whatever. Um, I love my meat, medium, rare, because I think it gives the most flavor. And um, so what would be your preference? For beef? Yeah. Um, it, medium rare. I think, I think anybody who's a real beef eater, that's how you, you get it. You can taste all of the flavors. It's juicy. Um, it doesn't get dried out. Um, but there was a time that I overcooked one of our filet mignons. Um, I was just busy doing other things, and I pulled it out, and it was well done. And I thought, oh, my goodness, this is going to be terrible. And I was embarrassed to serve it. But believe it or not, it was still delicious. That speaks world about what products you actually offer. So tell our listeners a little bit about your company, a little bit more about your company. So what we do, um, I already told you a little bit how we source our food from small and local farms, and then we deliver it straight to the home. So there's no middleman. Um, what someone does is they sit down with a food counselor, and that person helps them design their own customized package based on their family size, their shopping needs, their kind of foods that they eat, and they design something. And then they come and they fill your freezer for you. So um, it is a bulk order, um, so that way you have you know enough food to last you a while, and um, everything's right there. So you're you know quite a few months you don't have to think about what you're going to shop for which is perfect especially when you know we were dealing with quarantine and pandemic you know we were looking for like how to supply or how to feed our families and like there was shortages of everything so you had a company that was able to provide that for those families and actually during that time when you were going to the grocery store and trying to get meat and people were having issues we didn't miss a beat because of the way we source from the smaller farmers which is fantastic. So where would our listeners be able to find you and find your company? Well, you can find us online at homefoodservices.com. Um, we also have a phone number. You can call 1-800-772-7786. That's great. Now, do you have social media that we can follow you on too? We do. So you can look for us on Facebook, Passanetti's Home Food Service. Um, and we're also on Instagram. And we've got some wonderful photos of food on Instagram, as you can imagine. And do you offer any recipe ideas um, associated with the foods that you offer? We sure do. Um, in fact, we've got lots of recipe cards on the table tonight um, that are free for anyone. But if you're not here at this event, um, we do. We've got lots of recipes online that you can find as well at homefoodservices.com. All right. Thank you so much for, for joining me on Food Farms and Chefs. And it was a lovely way to, in, uh, to meet you. And hopefully I see you at more events. And hopefully I see you again on our show. 
You're very welcome. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. We are live from Taste of Philadelphia, and I am lucky enough to sit down with one of the kings and queens of Taste of Philadelphia, Keisha Prosser. So, Keisha, what brings you here today? Hello, everyone. So, it's been three years. I had to come back. You know, all because of COVID and we stopped. So basically this is like a rebranding of ourselves again because we're all out free eating and drinking at the Taste of Philadelphia. Yes. So what really brings me out is just getting everyone aware of the mobile cooking teacher. That is my name. That is my business. And we go out and we teach healthy cooking classes to all ages. And even we come into your home and teach you how to cook too. So I just want to bring everybody awareness that the mobile cooking teacher is here and we can help you cook an awesome meal for your family. So how long um, have you been a chef and are you self-studied? Do you, where did you study? Um, and, you know, when you say that you go into people's homes and you teach them, is that anyone can contact you? Uh, yes, anyone can contact me. Um, so the teaching part, I went to the restaurant skill. I mean, the restaurant school of Walnut Hill College here in Philadelphia. Woo, woo, woo. And um, I graduated with a pastry degree. And uh, I noticed in 04, a lot of people wasn't eating healthy. You know, parents was cooking. Uh, parents wasn't cooking. Everyone was eating out. And I was like, we're missing a family, the family niche that we used to do. Like every Sunday, you eat with your family. Every day, you sit down with your family. I felt like we was missing that. So that's why I started Reason Keys Mobile Cooking Teacher, just to start getting families back together, eating again, or and just teaching each generation how to cook. So if this, you know, if you got four siblings and none of y'all don't know how to cook, everybody's, you know, mom at work, mom and dad at work, it's like ah. Uh. So if at least one sibling know how to cook, at least we all going to eat tonight. So that was another thing why I had started um, doing cooking classes. So I, I might be mistaking you with somebody else, so I apologize if I am, but um, were you, in your little synopsis, were you the, like, the, the person who cooked like for your family starting at a very young age? No, that wasn't me. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> but it's all right. I mean, for, for all intents and purposes, you are teaching young people how to cook now. So that makes, you know, a huge difference. And that's a big reason why you're probably here right now as one of the queens of, of Taste of Philadelphia. Yes. yes, yes, it is. And it's, it's just a joy. And plus, another thing that I noticed that uh, when students, when uh, I'm going to say young adults get out of high school, they don't, I mean, not high school, college, they don't know how to cook. Like, so it's like, hey, you know what? Like, come on over here. Let me teach you how to cook because you're ready to get married. So you might as well come on. Let me teach you how to cook so you don't have to be trying to figure it out or getting on your mom's nerves. And she'd be like, well, why you watch me in the kitchen? And you'd be like, I didn't need to. You know, so I think, you know, that's what I want to do now. And it's just, just, you know, teach fun, bringing fun back to the kitchen. That's one of my slogans because everyone loves to have fun. So why can't we do it in the kitchen? Exactly. Now, um, with your classes or with te with you going into homes teaching, um, do you do it as like a one-on-one, -on -one, like meaning one time or, you know, is it a multiple faceted, like I'll come back, you know, if, if somebody wishes to continue their education, would they, would you offer that? Yes. So then I would do like a, a three to six weeks, uh, I'll call them workshops because when you be like class, people get all tired. So if you call it workshops, you know, it's a, you know, mind over matter. So I do like a three or six weeks workshop with people. We could do it 
Um, last night, not all night, last night I did a date night. Somebody had a birthday party, and I went downtown in Philadelphia, and I did a date night at, with a um, couple. So it's like, you know, you call me up, and I'm, I'm, I'm here. If I have time, I will kindly put you in my schedule, and we can just cook away and have fun. So, okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring it back to, like, some basics. So, uh, yeah, because I'm, I'm a self-taught cook, and I, I created recipes that kind of got put into a digital magazine. Um, so I have stuff out there. But, you know, for somebody who's a self-taught cook, like, I, I was never taught knife skills. Is that something that you teach uh, with some of your courses if they, say, want to take m multiple classes with you? Yeah, so knife skills, like, the first thing we look, I mean, I do – because I like, I give them a knife and I'll just be talking just to let them, you know, get comfortable and everything. And then I look straight at your hands and I'll be like, nope, this is this is how you cut. And they was like, oh, I never knew that. And I was like, yes, yeah, I said. And I just showed them, like, besides putting your hand on your knife on the top, you don't supposed to have it there because you don't have no control. Yeah. And plus it hurts your finger after a while and you don't even know it. So you're supposed to grip your knife. So I'm going to say something. I know I shouldn't say it online, but um, cut me off if I don't supposed to say this. So... I tell my, <laughs> I tell my, not a swear. <laughs> no, it is bad. So I tell my students, the way you hold the knife is the oh. way. <laughs> we're, we're going to, I feel like I know what's coming next. So I'm going to, I'm going to cut you off right there. <laughs> the way that you hold a cucumber in your hand. Right, right, right. So, and that's how you hold the knife. And when they hold it and they see what I'm talking about, they was like, oh, this is so much better. And I was like, yeah. So, like you said, the basic skills people don't know, uh, food safety, why you don't wash your chicken, why you should um, wipe. If you're, using, if, you're, if you're dealing with chicken and you're using a rag, throw it in the trash, just get another rag or yeah. get another sponge because you don't know, like, the bacteria is there. Like, you know, little simple things that a cutting board, like why are you using this gross cutting board? How about you just go to the dollar store and just buy this disposable cutting board? You get two for $1.25. Like, it, it save your life. Yeah. So it's just like little things that everyone want to learn how to do. Spices, they want to know about uh, sauces. I went in one house one day and went someone home one day and they had all these spices. And I just ended up making like all these different rubs for them and their mouth was just dropped and was like... We did not know we could do all that with all these spices. And I was like, yes, you can. And they was just like overwhelmed and so happy because it was like, good, these spices get used up. So those are the things that I like to uh, teach when I do cooking classes. That's um, I you're saying spices. That's one of my loves at my house. I um, I actually have a um, mortar and pestle that I like grind up all of my. Oh, yeah. I <laughs> I love making my own spices and actually I my family members love like my like what I create so I end up having to jar up all of my spices afterwards because they're like I want some of that I'm like you know the amount of time that I have to take in order to make this you have no idea but here you go <laughs> right and that's and that's the joy when people start seeing things and then you'll be like go home and do it yourself like today I wanted to bring and and I and I might do it at the next stop, <laughs> not this stop. I wanted to bring a big jug of uh, ginger pineapple water. Okay. And just so people could feel the refresh of, like, you got pineapples, cut it up. Don't throw your skin in the trash. Boil the skin. Put it with the ginger. Blend it up. And then now you got some fresh water that's refreshing. And, you know, so it's the simple things people was looking for. 
I teach about shopping on a budget. I love that. That's like a series that I love. I go in the supermarkets. I got $30 now. And we just zoom and see what we can make with $30 and how happy you could be. Half of the nine out of ten, you got half of the stuff at your house. So basically, you could just like just concentrate on like your proteins and stuff. So it's just so fun. Like I love doing that. Now I'm doing a series. It's 75 different chicken dishes. I'm at five. Yeah. So I'm I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I ain't gonna have a deadline. I'm not gonna have a deadline because if I have a deadline, I'm not gonna do it. So I'm working on doing. You know, I'm doing one today. One of my dish today that I'm sampling is jerk chicken sweet potato apple stir fry that is one of the dishes that i'm sampling today and when you think about it it's like what it's apple season what is sweet potato season so why not put a little bit of caribbean in that and just be happy because now it's fall so that's another thing i love that and i i'm like oh, wait where's mine <laughs> um so what a, is there anything else that you're making tonight and is are you gonna what are you planning for your demo can i ask that so the demo, I am doing Cajun chicken with vegetables over pasta and a coconut milk sauce. I love you. I love you so much because <laughs> that sounds heavenly. Only because you, you like everyone loves chicken Alfredo. Like I love chicken Alfredo. Yeah. And I love breadsticks. So I got to choose which one I can eat the most. So with the dish that I that I just called off, I can eat all the breadsticks that I want, and I can eat all my pasta dish because it's it's light, it's not heavy like with that heavy cream and that, and that all that cheese and stuff. So that's why I created that dish so I could go ham on that garlic bread. <laughs> that sounds absolutely delicious. So um, I keep I want to keep talking to you like because this is just so entertaining. But um, so. Are you going to be at Taste of Lancaster as well? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. And I cannot wait. That's like my vacation because it's just so, it's, I love it out in Lancaster because of the fact that um, it's just so airy. It's like you can just sit outside and just get a fresh breath of air, like the wind just be going. So, yeah, so I love it out there. I cannot wait to go there. Um, yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait. All right. So where can our listeners follow you on online, on social media, on the TikTok since you uh, said that you joined that too? So basically what I always tell people is just Google mobile cooking teacher. Go on Instagram, my mobile cooking teacher. I'm on Facebook, mobile cooking teacher. Um, TikTok is mobile cooking teacher. YouTube is mobile cooking teacher. Like, so <laughs> if you want to know something, if you want to know something, it's mobile cooking teacher. And um, another thing that I started too was... Um, um, I'm in the founder of Kids Can Cook PA Workshop is where I teach young students how to cook um, too at the free library. When they hire me, I go to the free library of Philadelphia. And my goal is to start another little tour where I can go to like different little cities at their library and do cooking classes. So I'm trying to get that all panned out for the summertime and have some fun. I hope I hope to see you at at various libraries. I hope your name pops up at them because I I think that's a fantastic thing to do. Um, yeah, it's fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us on Food Farms and Chefs, and I would love to have you back on for a longer segment to talk about more about what you're doing with students and more about your your mobile cooking classes. All right, thank you so much. We hate to have to let you go, but we have a lot of fun talking to all of you. So on behalf of 
Jean and myself uh, for Food Farms and Chefs. We wish you a very happy holiday season. And Jean, where can they find you? You can find me at ibfoodie2 or at Jean Blum on social media where you can email me directly with questions or uh, recipe questions at ibfoodie, the number two, at yahoo.com. That's ibfoodie2. And you can find me across social media at arpolicus or email me directly if you would like to be a guest or sponsor on the show at arpolicus at gmail.com.